This is Spotlight from the Asbury Park Press. In the final part of the Long Fall series, local news reporter Andrew Ford tells the story of Louis J. Spina's descent from prominent New York stock exchange broker to scam artist and bank robber. Soon after, his career on Wall Street ended with a whimper. Spina had another plan. Spina started his own trading firm, at first working with a relative, then alone. It was a simple operation. Use a computer program to buy stocks low, sell high, and hustle short sales, which means bidding on a stock's value decreasing. He worked from an office in Fairhaven. But it wasn't like the happy days on the trading floor. On the exchange, he had the upper hand. He was like an actor confident in his lines. Now he was forced to ad-lib. Instead of realizing it wasn't working for whatever reason, he said, again, my pride, my stubbornness, thinking I'm this greatest trader ever, I would just keep going till I made it work. Once you jump off a bridge, you can't come back. In March 2011, he met a woman who invested millions in the business. She asked not to be named because she didn't want to be associated with the incident. She said Spina conned her, calling him a master manipulator. He made her think he was a friend. She described, and court records confirm, that he showed investors misleading screenshots of account balances to give the appearance he was making money. When an investor questioned Spina too closely about his methods, he would kick the investor out of the trading venture and return their principal, she said. The charges he pleaded guilty to say Spina ultimately collected about $20 million from investors, guaranteeing tremendous monthly returns. I took the money, Spina said. I didn't invest it all. I was afraid to, didn't know how to. He used less than half of the money for investing and he lost what he did invest. The rest he used to pay his investors the interest he owed them and returned some of their cash. He lied to investors, telling them the business was going well. In the middle of this meltdown, May 2013, he married his fourth wife. She asked not to be named because she didn't want to be associated with the case. Her mother, her father, her brother invested with Spina. She gave him her IRA worth about $100,000. She estimated that, in total, her family handed him a little more than a million dollars. We all gave Lewis our money because he was trading and he said everything was great, she said. He never told us, you know, that anything was wrong. Spina said he spent maybe two or three million dollars of what investors gave him. He bought cars, rented a luxury apartment, and donated a total of $423,000 to the University of Miami. He said it was so his stepsons would be considered to attend there, but his ex-wife said that was just another lie. Her sons worked hard to get into the university, she said. Spina was a longtime supporter of the school, and he always phrased his donations as just standard contributions, she said. In January 2013, Spina incorporated LJS Trading in Florida. The address listed for the business was a 2,500-square-foot condo Spina rented in South Beach, worth $4.7 million. Where's Collins from? Louis Spina. In Inmate, a federal prison. Oh, I know I made the mistakes. I know I made the decisions, but this was not a plan. I mean, never was it a plan to, to run a Ponzi scheme. It was never, never even entered my mind. I still don't think I was, but I guess if it walks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's a duck. But all I was trying to do was raise money to make the money back. The FBI agent who worked to catch Spina was doubtful. 
May it have gotten out of control at some point? Yes, said Supervisory Special Agent Jim DiOrio at an FBI office in Red Bank. But our belief was, and he was charged with, and he pled guilty to, an intent to commit fraud. Spina said he didn't have the guts to say it wasn't working, and his painkiller habit was spiraling, 10 to 12 pills a day. It got bad when I didn't like the person who I was, he said of the pills. Spina's end came in November 2013. The million-dollar investor learned the FBI was investigating. Even so, she believed in Spina, calling him to let him know he needed to speak to an FBI agent. She thought it must be a misunderstanding. She called him again, wanting to tell him that he should bring his laptop and papers to prove his innocence. But that call went straight to voicemail, and she knew something was wrong. I freaked, Spina said. I had no idea what to do. So he walked out the door with about $130,000 and a handful of pain pills in a University of Miami gym bag. Spina's wife learned something was wrong with the business. His wife called him, but he didn't answer. She kept calling over and over. Then she drove to the South Beach condo. Oh my God, she thought. I have to call my mother, my father, my brother. Like, how do I tell them? Not only, like, I just got married a few months ago, that Lewis is missing. He's not answering the call, and supposedly all the money is gone, and I don't know where he is. She arrived at the condo, calling him again and again from the lobby, she said. She was afraid to go upstairs, wondering if he killed himself. The condo was silent, nothing apparently missing. The computer he used to trade was there. Next to the computer lay his wedding ring. He didn't usually take that off. She called his best friend from the trading floor, the one who would later vouch for him at his sentencing. He told her Spina wouldn't scam people. Absolutely not, he told her. That's not even an option. Spina said he stayed at the Miami Ritz-Carlton for three days, paying cash, using a fake name. He swallowed 34 Oxycontin pills in a suicide attempt, but he threw them up. He decided to go to the FBI in New Jersey and turn himself in. He got on a train because he didn't want to take his gym bag full of cash and pills on a plane. But in Washington, D.C., he said he was intercepted by four DEA agents dressed like hippies. It was the worst disguise I've ever seen, Spina said. He let them check his bag. They found the cash and pills, and they thought he was a drug dealer. Court records confirmed that DEA agents seized $132,789 from him at Union Station in Washington on November 19, 2013. Spina was embarrassed to be interrogated in front of other people at the station, and he was cold, so he asked to go to an office. He confessed, later explaining himself to FBI agents. They froze his trading accounts, took his credit cards. They gave him $500 for spending money. He was not in custody as his case weaved through court, but he was ordered by the court not to trade. He returned to Florida in 2014, renting an apartment in Coral Gables. His wife said she didn't depend on him for income. Spina said she did worry about money. He lied to his wife about being barred from his craft. He started pretending that he was back in the game, working to repay investors. But he was running out of money. Over the course of about eight hours of interviews from prison, the only time Spina's voice faltered was describing how he robbed a bank on May 12, 2014. He was broke and desperate. 
he had $17 in his pocket. He made his fake bomb. He drank tequila. He went to the Coral Gables Bank. He arrived about 9 a.m. For half an hour, he paced outside. He approached the entrance, pulling a black ski mask over his face, but then backing off. You can't do this, he thought, wandering away from the building. You don't have a choice, he thought. And then he went in. He approached the desk. It felt like he wasn't really doing it, like somebody else was in his body, telling the clerks he had a bomb, he wanted money, no low bills. He held a car key fob in hand, threatening to detonate. He got out with $16,783. And the non-criminal, the dope I am, people saw me leave, he said. He didn't realize a teller saw the car he drove. It was his wife's Range Rover. He thought he got away. A day later, he said he took the Range Rover to a car wash. Court documents show he was arrested by Coral Gables police. He confessed. Spina has been locked up ever since. His friend from the stock exchange said he was furious with Spina. Why? Because Spina didn't cut his trading losses like they routinely did when they were trading on the floor. Because he robbed a bank. And because he blew his path to an easy life. Spina caught the right breaks on the floor. He rode the right wave. Good times and good money. I was pissed off at him, his friend recalled. You had enough money to just move on. You didn't have to work anymore. Spina apologized to the people he hurt. I hurt so many people, people I loved. My wife, my family, my ex-wife, her family, her kids, my kids, the people I didn't even know. All I can say is, I'm sorry. The FBI agent who caught him was skeptical. I remember seeing him at his plea, Diorio said. It takes his toll. I don't know if that's remorse or just anxiety, stress. Many times, at their plea and or sentencing, they'll find a way to convince the judge that they're remorseful, and sometimes it's very valid, sometimes it's not. It's hard to tell. For the victims who collectively lost millions, Diorio said the real cost has been damage to relationships. The investor who gave Spina millions said the scheme wiped out much of her available cash. I trusted most of my money with him, she said. Most of everything I had. While the financial loss was devastating, the loss of trust has been more painful. I don't trust anyone, she said. I have a hard time trusting anyone, ever, and I probably never will trust anyone. Though Spina's fourth wife and her family lost about $1 million, the lies hurt the most. I have to be honest, she said. It wasn't really so much about the money, even though obviously nobody wants to lose money. To me, it was just about the betrayal. Spina is back to brown suits, a prison khaki uniform and work boots. The man, once too impatient to wait for a cup of coffee, now waits 25 minutes for prison staff to open a gate for him to walk to lunch. A hot dog or chicken. Fish on Fridays. Spina's father tried to keep him away from the gangsters, but now he's right there with them. He still wears a name tag, but now Trader 2102 is inmate 66251-050. He pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud and was sentenced in June 2015 to 79 months in prison. Because he robbed a bank in October 2014, he'll spend another 41 months in prison after that. He does okay in prison on joint base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. No fights, no trouble. He frequently calls his sons. 
He has become more religious, reading the Bible daily. His favorite part is the book of Proverbs, an Old Testament section that dictates moral living. The court seized his bank accounts. The University of Miami agreed to return Spina's $423,000 in donations. Spina was ordered to repay $11,899,393.23 in ill-gotten gains. He had a job in the prison library making 12 cents an hour. Then he moved up to a job putting a string through the waistband of army pants. He learned how to make a pair, using serger machines, stitching bar tacks, crafting pockets. He gets about 50 cents per bundle of 24 pants. I fight for that bundle like it was $10 million, he said. He gets up at 4.30 a.m., watching stocks on the news, putting in 12-hour days at his prison job. Exhaustion keeps his mind from racing with regret. I just love to compete and could not face losing, he said. I could not think I was losing, and I just kept digging myself a bigger hole, a bigger hole. The lies came with it, and I've got no one to blame but myself. But that's what happened. It's the fact that I could not face that I was losing at something I thought I was really great at. Spina remains enterprising. He was interviewed to work in a management office. They heard he's good with numbers. This has been Asbury Park Press Spotlight.